Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Roger, Roger. As always, I'm Derek. Charles here, guys. Super excited to get into another episode of the Roger, Roger podcast. Yeah, we're doing something a little different today. Mm -hmm. Um, If you remember from the last episode, we kind of hinted at something new. We are talking about general sci-fi today, not a specific Star Wars property. Not Star Wars? Not Star Wars, Charles. We've said that since the beginning, but we've been leaning very heavily on Star Wars. (laughs) There's been a lot going on in the Star Wars world, though. Yeah, that's true. There's been a lot, and there's going to continue to be a lot in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I like... You know, both of us like a lot of sci-fi stuff. I particularly like a lot of older sci-fi movies, so I wanted to work one in. And um, we do have a Star Wars connection. We do. You know, had to keep a little bit in there. Um, it is Harrison Ford. Yes. We watched, yeah, Blade Runner. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Woo! Yes. Well, I mean, we were kind of teasing it last week. And yes, our debut non-Star Wars discussion in the world of sci-fi is Blade Runner and Mm -hmm. Blade Runner was a movie that I mean we were tossing around like what movie do we choose to watch and Blade Runner is one of those like classics that neither one of us had ever seen it was like we need to get this off of our off of our plate here and get this under our belts so that we have a little more street cred out in the world of of popular sci-fi movies. Yeah, and it's been on my watch list for ages. It's just one of those movies that I kept, just kept missing for some reason, and finally got a good reason to watch it. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, exactly right. And we picked it because also, like you had mentioned, there's the Harrison Ford connection, and there's also a title crawl, which I didn't realize in Blade Runner as well. So, yeah, Blade Runner was the movie we went with. Um, I guess... A little bit of background about the movie is, uh, at least that's interesting to me. I'm a, I, growing up, like, I was a sci-fi literature fan before any other kind of literature, before fantasy even, and, um, like, Philip K. Dick was one of those authors that I was just obsessed with early on, Mm -hmm. and one of my favorite books at the time, and still my favorite book title of all time hands down is do androids dream of electric sheep (laughs) which is the novel that this book this movie is based on right and there and really just the concept of having these basically like these androids that are that look so much like humans that they pass as human and then this idea of like well at what point do we treat them as like property versus human when they're basically indistinguishable from humans except for like what's under their skin and that was kind of where the similarities and they keep some character names they keep a few plot point things but the book tells a very different story from this movie uh that doesn't you know that doesn't mean either one of them are bad or good or whatever but uh it's just interesting to see how different it is Uh, it's directed by ridley scott who we were talking about watching a couple of his movies uh, and I think we will. I love some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we are big fans of Ridley Scott, obviously, who went to, to, to do all kinds of cool movies. Uh, like, what did he do? <laughs> Gladiator. Uh, Gladiator. He did The Martian. He did 
uh, what did he do? You know, checking a, out his entire a whole bunch right of really famous stuff, and he's had a background in film for a long time. He's worked with uh, all kinds of people. So oh, he did Thelma and Louise. I didn't know that. Nice. Didn't he? Didn't he do Alien? Wasn't he Alien? Hmm? Didn't he do Alien? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Alien, that's the big one, which huge fan of Alien. I don't think we said Alien. So, yeah, it, obviously we felt like, you know, Harrison Ford, Ridley Scott, Philip K. Dick, all these great minds coming together in some part to this to this movie. And, yeah, it, it, the movie itself, interestingly enough, when it came out, like, it, people were confused by it, and I can see that. It, this, to me, is a very confusing movie to just put in movie theaters to have like the general public go to but it lived a second life especially in the era of blockbusters where you could rent movies this mm-hmm. became a super popular movie after its theatrical release and of course now everyone calls it like a cult classic but i think it transcends cult at this point i I, for sure and now it's had a sequel that actually did do insanely well in the box office i just think it it didn't get like people didn't know what to make of it when they first saw it and they think about it in their brains and then the right people found it and and it just took off from there yeah no it is a definitely a it's kind of a different type of sci-fi than people were getting from you know the sci-fi early in the early 80s late 70s kind of had a a weird fantasy vibe in movies at least tv was a little different and then this this kind of like you said it's it not blew people away but it blew some people away but it just kind of blew some people's minds it was a very uh, i think maybe a high concept movie it was it's it, yeah you know, for sure other movies that came out in 82 according to a quick google search here we've got beastmaster uh, tron poltergeist so these are way more oh et really okay the dark crystal but that's what i mean conan like the barbarian very fantasy right right so there's actually a lot came out uh first blood rambo came out in 1982 so also, this movie had a lot of competition. I'm looking at right now. You should, uh, the last unicorn came out too. Wow, Sophie's Choice. What the heck is going on with 1982? These are all great movies. Uh, Airplane Two. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, lots of stuff going on, and uh, it, it it just didn't get its due. But now it's gotten more than enough, and it has it has like seven different edits to it. Uh, which is oh, yeah, that's like, a whole other thing. Is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard for a movie, and people actually are very adamant about which version to watch. I'm there. The the latest version, which most people agree is the definitive version, came yeah, out in two thousand and seven, which is the called the final cut, and that's the one that we watched. That's the one that if you were to watch it today on was it Amazon or was it HBO? It was HBO. So if you were to watch it today, streaming on HBO, it's the final cut. Right. Which came out in 2007, and it was the 25th anniversary Mm -hmm. version. And it's apparently the only version over which Ridley Scott, the director, retained artistic control. Apparently there was a lot of studio meddling 
back in the day with this movie. And then even though imagine. they edited it six times, they still didn't get it right. But apparently the seventh time is the right one. And that is the version that we've watched. It's the only version I've ever seen. Derek, Same. It's the only version you've seen, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. But I would be interested. I'm going to dig a little deeper and see some of these alternate ending ones. I am very curious to see some of those because I uh, – well, hold on. Before we get into that, just I was um, – obviously, we've talked about Alien on here a bunch. You know, that's one of my favorite sci-fi. We almost watched that. Aliens. We almost yeah, watched close. that. But he also produced Numbers, the TV show, which mm. I really – I think you were a fan of that too back in the day. I think so. I remember when it was on TV. Yeah, I didn't know that. He was the producer of that, and he also either produced or directed, I think it was produced, I can't. I lost it, um, The Murder on the Orient Express, the 2017 one, which Ooh. nobody really liked, but I kind of really didn't liked. Didn't we see that in theaters together? <laughs> we did. Yeah. And I love, I love the original. And that original. has Daisy Ridley read... in it, which is another yeah. Star Wars connection. <laughs> wow. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew. Um, he just loves Star Wars cast members. Yeah. So, But that's... Uh, you know, I, I love that story. I love renditions of it. I've watched probably three versions of it. Um, so that that's just a weird one. I never knew he had anything to do with. And I kind of could see it from some of the the, re- the, the most recent one, obviously. But uh, that's just a kind of cool tidbit I that I didn't that. know. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like I said, he has his fingers in a lot of pies. And like his IMDb yeah. credits go well beyond just his director credits. He's done all kinds yeah. of stuff. And, yeah, I think what that was producer. But I believe this may this is one of the first his one of his first films that he well he did Alien already actually I'm totally lying he did Alien in 1979 <laughs> yeah, no, I was about to was, say something very wrong he was so, definitely established yeah he was definitely yeah. established at this point so it's it's interesting to see like I feel like this is one of his big big like when you look at his catalog alien might be his biggest and this is probably his second biggest i'd say yeah. there's a blade runner tv show coming out interesting oh we might have to watch that and the uh. and the sequel <laughs> I, i'll go we'll see we got to talk about it i probably yes watch we it. have never talked about this movie we saved it for today but i think i've kind of betrayed some of my feelings for this movie which wow. i'm gonna come out and say it like I wouldn't change a thing about this movie. I'm glad it exists, but it is not a movie for me. I'm just going to come out and say it right wow. now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I don't say like I'm it. too surprised. I don't like it. And it's not because I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't. It's just not for it's me. It's just not your jam. Yeah. Like, I can, like, there's a lot about this movie that I find very, very interesting. We can get into that as we get in the weeds a little mm-hmm. bit. But just at a high level, like, I love when I can tell I'm seeing a director being passionate about making art and i like when directors get creative and get you know do do their thing the way they want to and i always will support that but to me the movie was just like it just puts me in like a trance and i can't focus and i think that's part of I the can't, point but i i can't follow it and i don't okay. and it was honestly to watch the like to get through the whole thing was work and i told you i had history with this movie and yeah. I actually one other time when i was in college my roommate at the time was like dude you have to watch blade runner it's so good and we put it on and i fell asleep to like pretty much almost instantly <laughs> almost instantly and then i woke up to the end of the movie so i was like that was weird and then every time i've hovered over like 
playing that movie ever since. I'm like, I've kind of seen it, even though I've only yeah. seen like maybe 20 minutes of it. And it was a hazy fever dream of an experience. And I, you fell asleep this time, too. Uh, yeah, you? I did fall asleep this time also, <laughs> much later. I, I, okay. I lasted longer, and then I fell asleep. Oh. But then I rewound it and watched the whole thing. So I've seen every <laughs> second of the movie this time. But it's just funny that like this movie cannot hold my attention, and it puts me to sleep. I don't know well, now you is. know if you ever can't sleep, just put on Blade Runner. Yeah, and it's such a weird movie to have like a fever dream kind of because the movie itself almost movie plays like a, a hallucination. Yeah. yeah, it's almost fever dreamy, so it just compounded for me. And it, the movie yeah. just confuses me. I, I, it, it doesn't speak to me like it does for a whole lot of people. So, mm-hmm. on my, I have to go. I so you, you're saying you appreciate the movie, you appreciate the the effort. I'm saying the, I recognize on, it as me. a good movie. I just I didn't like it. Okay. I, on the other hand, I really enjoyed this movie. Ooh, really? Yes, I did. Wow, you really enjoyed it? I am looking forward to hearing the reasons why. Okay, I mean, just as a cinematic experience, not that we saw it in the cinema, but watching it, you know, lights yeah. off on the big screen, mm-hmm. uh, It, I really enjoyed uh, the... Uh, the one, the the plot was interesting because I, as we talked on the show before, this is one part of um, Star Wars that they Star Wars never touches on this, even though they have a huge uh, droid, like there's basically slaves and stuff. But mm-hmm. are they sentient? Are they not? Are they sapient? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a whole thing that I um, I think in our one of our pitching episodes I mentioned a show about that, and the fact like AI becoming um, sentient and rights and all that stuff is one of my favorite sci-fi topics and i honestly Mm. didn't even know that's what this was about so just at a base level this is my jam wow you know that story i also thought the the visuals were awesome they sometimes they obviously look dated but i liked how everything was kind of mixed between film noir and like um a dirty future like mad maxi but not mad maxi but like like a gross future it's definitely dystopian for sure right and and then some of like the lighting you have like this blue aura over a lot of the movie when it was trying to make you feel a different thing and then it was some parts were dark some parts were more red lit and uh i thought i under you know it obviously it didn't look as good as star wars i have to say but there were Hmm. parts of it it wasn't supposed to it was i think i just i just really appreciate how the movie looks and feels coming off uh, off the screen. I didn't let the music not super great in my opinion. Yeah. I will just I'll say that aesthetically this movie's a 10 out of 10. And I think that's yeah. why this movie is such a cult classic is it nails such a unique aesthetic and such a unique vibe. Like when I see playlists now for like oh like lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax <laughs> slash chill and study to you, you, it's it and it's all kind of purpley and kind of hazy yeah. and that vibe. Like this movie, like invented that to me. Like yeah, th- this movie much. created as as know, a vibe. Yeah. At, well, at least it popularized a vibe that I've never seen before. It mm-hmm. was so refined and so lo-fi and so like 
I was vibing on it instantly. And, and like you said, like it, the effects are a little dated. And I think that's only because it was super ambitious. Like they created yeah. an entire world from the ground up. Whereas Lucas was like, we'll film in a desert. And then we can just go to a desert and right. be there. Whereas in this movie, it's like, no, we need to be in like Neo Tokyo, California. Yeah. Like Neo. Yeah. <laughs> like smashed together. And it needs to be these crazy. I think it was like Hankai or Shanghai or something. Yeah, yeah. So when they have like the funny cars, you can tell that it's just cardboard on the outside of like a golf cart right. as it's driving around. You're like, oh God. <laughs> but that, gr- the grungy city look. Yes. But with future. Yes. And it was such, I mean, even you would cut between like super advanced tech and then a bus retrofitted with stuff, yeah. you know, high tech stuff well and cars. Yeah. And that that's a cool concept in itself. Like, Hey, okay. It's 2019 and you're not, you're poor. You can afford a crappy car with a retrofitted, you know, kind of like a back to the future. I'm sure that was uh, one influence the other, I'm sure with that kind of thing. Right. Um, and it, it's just, a, it's an amazing look. And the Neo China, Neo, um, Neo Asia type look was really cool. Super and cool. It, and you even cut between like the municipal buildings where like the police officers were, looks just like a crappy eighties, um, the police department, but with like sci-fi things around and the lighting was totally different depending on the location and that really get like you said it gives you a, like a vibe it gives you a feel of each location is kind of so specific and mm-hmm. the effort put into everything about that is was really good but the music i i kind of appreciate i just didn't really it didn't hit home for me there was some like middle eastern vibes going on there was some more asian vibes there was some like and it it's just kind of didn't feel like it fit most of the time yeah, but, I didn't really walk away with any kind of opinion on the music. It, it didn't really get my attention. Yeah. For me, I don't think there's very few movies that have created an atmosphere, a look, a vibe, a setting as successfully as this movie. It's just yeah. absolutely a, a stunning movie. It, in the beginning, I found it quite captivating, like where he's going, he's walking down the street, it's raining, mm-hmm. he's trying to order noodles, and yeah. they, they, they don't speak. That he's just like holding up the lady. He's kind of a he's kind of grungy. He's yelling at right. the guy, and then these two guys stand up behind him. It's like you're coming with us, and he's like, "What are you talking?" It's like so interesting, mm-hmm. and and then he goes and gives the. Um, the lady, the test, and it just kind of right. spirals. To, for me, after that, it just <laughs> devolves into 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 nothingness for me. But it is incredibly interesting, and even like the well, way. On. It's, while you're on oh, that yes, scene, yes, 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 yes. While you're on that scene, I just wanted to point out that the um, umbrellas all had like a glow to them. They were like mm. lightsaber umbrellas. It was just <laughs> kind of, it was funny. Yeah, they're cool. It, yeah, it, it, like we said, it looks great. But where were you, where were you going? Sorry. I was just going in the direction, oh man, I'm trying to remember now. I was talking about the girl and the vibes. Oh yeah, so even like the scenes, the way they're shot is super fascinating. I remember there was a scene where Harrison Ford is like interviewing some guy in a shop, but the camera's like in a snake tank looking through the glass of the tank Mm -hmm. at an angle, in this weird, bizarre angle, looking through, you can barely hear what they're saying. Yes. 
okay, have a nice day. And you're like, what is this movie? But I loved it. I was like, that was so yeah. fascinating to me. It's like- that's one, Right. That's one of the things that I said. I think the sound design, maybe not the music, if you can separate them, is really good. And that was one of uh, a standout scene for me because it's they're filming through the tank, through a window. You could hard, It's muffled. So I think the effort put into like the scene and location comes so is first in this movie. That is the most important thing. You, uh, it just, uh, and then like the foot chase too. It wasn't that great of an action scene, but what was going on? Every different angle, all the cool stuff they were running by. Um, I uh, and the sound design. It got like really quiet, and then. Well, it was is a around, rather yeah. quiet movie, and yeah. I also think I, that's probably why it didn't connect with theater goers all that much. Yeah, I could understand because like you, you like you go and see Rambo and Conan the Barbarian and and all these other movies, and then you step into this, and it's like you can hear mm-hmm. a pin drop, and you're like, "Wow, what what is what yeah. is this? It's such a change of pace." And but it kind of messes with you, like you said. But I guess for you that doesn't work, which is understandable. But for me, it really kept me um, engaged in the movie yeah, I mean, more I, from a look like a. I like slow burn movies, okay. But it, it mm-hmm. for me this one it was the 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 difference for me was it it barely follows. Uh, there is a plot, but it's just so understated and the actors barely talk to each other they barely do anything and there's like oh, there's one or two chase scenes fight scenes love scenes things like that but for the most part it's just a movie that that kind of happens and i never feel particularly invested in any of the characters in the original you know this was more of a noir inspired film and they actually one of the studio notes was that Harrison Ford had to come in and record voiceovers noir style and we didn't get to hear this in our version but there is a version where he's like in these streets you never know yeah like some Maltese Falcon stuff yeah right exactly Uh, but I I don't know I, I think they tried in as many ways as they could to set up some kind of connecting story but apparently it was bad and, and neither harrison ford nor ridley scott wanted it in the movie so well, he probably hated doing it anyway oh so he probably harrison made ford it to work for- he's like you yeah. already i already cashed the check i'm done i made the movie yeah. you want me to come back and do more work for free i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> but i i like part of the, it it is very film noir which i kind of like it's um and i think that's you know some people i very limited research into this movie so excuse me if i'm missing stuff or didn't pick up on anything but I had a feeling um, some of the dialogue was written like that on purpose. Some of it feels very uh, disjointed and choppy, but that I think is a straight homage to old film noir movies, and that's how they talk to those movies. And I thought that was cool. Um, Oh, and there's something you just said. There's uh, so much going on. um... (laughs) There's a lot happening. Let's see. I I talked about the uh, voiceover vibes the plot line oh that oh, right it was more about the plot so for me personally i think it was kind of great and i didn't love the ending the ending was kind of boring to me there was a, that whole fight scene and it 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 could have been cut pretty 
like maybe in half. I liked everything up into that. And you said, um, I know you like slow burn movies. This is more what it was about. You like slow burn movies and this movie almost didn't burn. It kind of just yeah. simmered yeah. along the way. Mm-hmm. And you followed the characters and what was happening. And I, I, But I was intrigued for different reasons, not basically like it's hard to explain like i wasn't like caught up in the movie going experience but i was very engaged by listening to the sound like where the mic was placed on purpose or the lighting coming in from different areas with the choices they made of locations and specific set pieces and how the mm-hmm. characters were acting and the the different cuts they do like the the eyes of of androids or of um the animals stuff like that and it kept me it, it basically for me, and I think this was the intent that scenes, location, and themes come bo- come before like the actual movie. Yeah, which is interesting, and it was just a diff- totally and different. And comes watch before for the me. characters too. The characters oh, for sure, are characters like are nothing. like the least part. Yeah, they're the smallest part of it, which is just a, such an interesting take that you yeah. never ever see. So I kind of appreciate it for that, and. Um, I wouldn't hmm. recommend this to a lot of people. I oh, have to yeah. Say. I was thinking who I would recommend this to, and I would only recommend this to people who are into, like, art house cinema that for some reason haven't seen this movie. Or maybe if or there's, like, deep sci-fi a guys, younger you know? kid that's, like, obsessed with lo-fi, hip-hop, all that purpley, hazy stuff <laughs> on YouTube, I'd be like, check out Blade Runner. <laughs> but you're going to love be it. beyond those people. Because yeah. my issue is I had such a hard time paying attention. And I'm not typically someone that has a hard time paying attention to movies. I just, for me, I think... No, the, yeah, you pick up on stuff that I miss a lot. You know? I Thank you. But I think the main thing that was the issue for me was there's just no characters. I, I, I love character work. And Harrison Ford's an interesting guy. He does a really great job in this movie, but I'd like, I like I barely even remember what his name was in this movie. It was Rick, right? Rick, Rick, <laughs> Rick. Rick. So yeah. it's like, okay. like, And then the fact that everything's extra weird makes it even harder to connect with the characters. And some of the characters, you know, you're not supposed to connect with. They're, they're like robots. But... Right. I guess that can move us on to like the thing the other thing that we both love beyond the vibe and the look and feel of this movie is the the main theme of this movie. And I'm going to push back on you a little bit. I do agree that the theme itself is a fascinating one, and I think when I read Do Androids Dream of Electric Cheap, just the question in my like 13-year-old brain was like, "Oh, what? That's such a great question." And you think about like does it matter at that certain point? Mm-hmm. And cuz in the movie, I mean and I mean in the books, there's a big thing about animals and having an animal like an actual alive one was a huge flex. Yeah, the, well, they touched on that in the, yeah, in the movie, but, but not much. But there were, you know, like the the main guy had a family and he had like an electric sheep and because they couldn't afford like a real one. Mm-hmm. And he may have been trying to pass it off as real to his neighbors, uh, <laughs> which is like a fascinating thing about that. But the idea was that the these replicants were so similar to humans that you couldn't tell without taking this test. It's impossible. Uh, but the prejudice is still there. And that's, 
I think both of us can agree, like the interesting hook and like one of the more interesting hooks in all of sci-fi is like, how do you define humanity? Like, well, at what point does technology reach this uncanny valley before it simulates mm-hmm. humanity completely? And then who are we to deny these replicants like the dignity of being treated like a human being, exactly. you know, when they feel in every single way the way we do. So, And that extends further out from just um, replicants, AI, stuff like that. Even, like, another movie I really liked was District 9, which... Ha- that, yeah, it, um, with aliens, it, You kinda. know, aliens, do they, you know, prejudice against that? And I think this, this and that um, right. are District more... District 9 was more, yeah. like, a modern theme on, like, occupation and immigrants and illegal aliens yeah. and things well, like that. Well, I mentioned... Yeah, Whereas, this a while ago where oh actually it wasn't on our show it was on FDF uh, about what makes a, a, a sci-fi movie and I think themes of the day are an integral part of that. Right, you know? right. So yeah, I agree. I I, I think with Blade Runner and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, it's just much more high level at the time. Like computers were being invented and they're like oh computers <laughs> like what if yeah. computers were like humans yeah and so that's kind of where their brains were they we didn't get to be like oh what if like all these these occupying areas these immigrants these you know illegal aliens whatever what if they were actually aliens and what, right what we treat but them that's like the worse? modern version of this. right right so yeah. it's that same theme but i don't think this movie succeeds in really delivering on that because most of the replicants are like uh, they obviously have this weird disconnect they're not some of them are they practically are human and that's like the love interest in this movie which mm-hmm. the fact that that character the even femme fatale the fact that that character even is a love interest to me is another demerit for this movie but i'll give uh, you that <laughs> i mean it's the 80s it was a blockbuster movie in the 80s yeah like there had to be one it's just the i way don't it think is. it would have been made without it but it is just a stain on the movie otherwise i think ridley scott needs to make an eighth version where he takes out the sex scene and and re-puts it out there um but yeah so that character is indistinguishable and the scientist that created her was like they're almost completely indistinguishable but most of them aren't they behave a little strangely and they um have this like freak strength and they're running around killing people and i, I don't think they behave strangely i think everyone behaves st- strangely that's one of the quirks of the movie everyone is super weird mm-hmm. i think they I, they have super strength and i i actually uh, i i I don't think it was handled perfectly because from a a bottom from like a just a no filter watch they're the bad guys they're killing people they're blowing stuff up they're fighting they're running they're doing bad things mm. but on a higher if you uh, on a higher level than that the reason why they were doing all of these things is because they were literally fighting for their lives they right. wanted to extend their life they had enough of being slaves and they were like, well, we're going to die in who knows a year less because they have that whole four year right. uh, death sentence on all of them. Right. And they were like, we need to fix this. We feel like we're living beings. We don't want this to happen. And I don't think I agree that in handle in the super best way, but that concept of, Hey, we are the villains because you guys forced this on us. You gave us a death sentence and you need to fix it. And I think the idea of going from like a, going from that to a totally bleak breakdown where you 
really you accept, accept the death sentence because you can't do anything about it. And then the aftermath of that, I, I don't think it was done perfectly, but I do really love the theme. I thought that was Oh, a plus. yeah. And look, when I criticize it, it's like, look, it's not the kind of movie that we're watching, right? Like, my criticisms come from expecting this to be a different kind of movie than it is, which is why I'm saying it's okay. not a bad movie. It's a good movie because in order to explore these themes the way I would want to do, you'd have to start having plot stuff happen and characters talk to mm-hmm. each other more and have things happening which is not the objective of this movie this movie just kind of plops you in and it doesn't really challenge the themes beyond how you see the characters interacting with each other in the moment there's no like driving plot device thing that's running them all around it's just like it almost feels like stuff's happening versus like a movie plot so when i say oh these themes are underdeveloped or whatever it's like they're there and ridley scott's not like challenging you beyond showing you these characters and this world and how dystopian it is and how oppressed these characters are and like you have to do a lot of the heavy lifting and yeah well that's the thing i was about to say he's all of the effort is put on the watcher Mm. all of it if you and that's one of the reasons i felt pretty engaged during it because i um i i you that movies aren't like that anymore especially most sci-fi movies Mm -hmm. aren't nowadays and that was i was looking for uh, I, you know, I was never on like the edge of my seat, right? Because again, the plot is pretty it's not basic, that kind of movie, yeah. right? But it's I not was like looking... it's not like Harrison Ford had a like <laughs> partner who was like these guys. Sometimes they feel so human, you gotta wonder. Like, right. can we just let them be human? It's like that scene did not happen because no. it would totally throw the movie off from what it's supposed right. to be, you know? <laughs> but I was I was engaged by looking for all of these because there, there are so many themes in this movie and things, specific things that I picked up on and even more that I missed. Like, there's the whole... Um, I'm sure people have done freaking dissertations on this, so I could look it up, but I haven't. But like the eyes, you know, there was um, something about eyes going on. I have some in my notes, but I'm not reading it all now. Like the android eyes were different than the human eyes, and then you even had the guy. Um, well, I know uh, that they the they did like the in camera tricks in order to get that eye effect yeah. in the movie. Like they, but have- I think that m- it meant something that I didn't quite pick up on on a first watch because even like I said at the end. Um, he kills the doctor by smushing in his eyes, and it came up in a couple of other circumstances too. There was a thing with the unicorn, which could have been like a, a, a there might have been like an overarching Christian metaphor going on throughout the there whole movie. There definitely is in the books. In the movie, yeah. maybe it tried to give a little bit to that. Well, yeah, I mean, you have the like Oregon kind of unicorn did that. It's either, yeah, unicorn is like immortality, magic, faith, Christ. That's kind of a thing going there. And then you have like these super beings fallen from grace, kind of mm-hmm. angel type of thing. And then they even say, the you know, go to space, go to the golden land or something like that. Golden land, that might be a direct quote, like go further away. And then there was even a, I think... Um, you know, and on a second watch, if I was really pinpointing these things, I might have. I'm sorry, I don't have a better like thought process for all of it, but um, 
Oh, where? Oh, so then a lot of it had to do with there was the snake, serpent, Garden of Eden. Like there's some I know there's stuff in this movie that I didn't that, that all like metaphors and stuff that I didn't pick up on. Some I got, some I didn't. Some I just have a loose connection, and that kept me super interested the whole time, just looking for like what's meant, what's going on, and you, you never see that in a movie. So maybe it, it's I understand what you're saying that if you want if watching it like for a movie, it might not be great, but if you're interested in some of the other stuff, I, I give it a little more credence. Yeah, it's I'm look, I agree there's certainly a lot to look for if that's the experience you're trying to get out of this. Another thing that I got out of this movie that I thought was the most interesting thing about it. I was like, wow, here's a very interesting depiction of like a California type world in the not too distant future. Like this is, there's, like you said at the beginning of the episode, there's such an interesting almost juxtaposition between marvels of space and technology and the grittiness of an urban city and corruption yeah, Los Angeles, and garbage yeah, major. and filth everywhere it it's and people living like in poverty and like being part of like there's all these weird like CD strip club vibes mm-hmm. and and things like that and like it 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 it, it it is interesting to think on and dwell on, and I think a lot of people that are attracted to more cerebral sci-fi films are looking exactly for that, and I think that's where this movie delivers quite a bit and what has gotten it to be so successful and why it had to be refined seven times before, <laughs> and, and people are still like you know, super into it and why we've even had a huge sequel now, so... Um, it's a very interesting world that Philip K. Dick originally created. And I also want to give Philip K. Dick credit because he wrote um, what went on to be like Minority Report. He wrote mm-hmm. um, what's the, the Man in the High Castle, which is a prime show. Uh, it's like tons of really famous sci-fi movies in the 80s were all... Alternate future things he likes. Yeah, alternate future. But he created these really interesting worlds that like really made you think you know really made you think and yeah, yeah we just, i'm just like a i'm a huge fan of his work and like i've read every a lot of his books and uh he's got tons of movies um and even i think amazon prime did a almost like a black mirror type of show but purely with philip k dick's work uh wow really yes and it's called electric dreams and that sounds pretty cool. And it's it is. It's got like Brian Cranston and Steve Buscemi. It's like episodic, exactly like Black Mirror is. And it's all kind of I've never heard of it. Dystopian and sad. Well, it's because it's like Black Mirror, but honestly, it's not as good as Black Mirror. Oh. But <laughs> it is still good and interesting. As a sci-fi fan, like if you can sit through Blade Runner, you should definitely watch Electric Dreams. I'm going to check it, it out for it, sure. It, it's an anthology series. It's very good. Um, I like anthologies. I actually just watched. Um, you uh what is it on netflix on sex netflix? love and robots oh yeah the animated Death, love one and robots it's pretty good i, I love that i love yeah. that series especially the first season the second season was good too but there's I haven't a seen lot the second yet. oh there's a lot of winners in that in that series mm-hmm. and again that's another one where 
people are creating their own vibes. You get to see their whole visions. And even if some of the things are half-baked, it's like they're trying to achieve one thing from an, like, an artistic standpoint. Right. And that's kind of what Blade Runner is out there to do. It's like I'm delivering on this. And mm-hmm. like there's a lot to like about it. But from my my walk away was I, I wouldn't recommend this to most people and I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not in any rush to see 2048, honestly, but okay. I, I would love to see Alien. <laughs> I love Alien. But I, this is just, you know, more of the horror, obviously. There's a lot more character work in that in that movie. But yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing. They're like opposites. The, the like it's Alien and Aliens, or maybe not Aliens. It's I mean, it's just kind of the same movie in a different place. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's all about the characters. Yeah, it's just characters and a monster, and this is the op the opposite of that. It's very. Uh, but that also has there's very little plot to that. It's basically just it live. Um, but that also has some good themes and stuff. Well, we'll, we'll do that then. Maybe we'll go on a Ridley Scott pick. <laughs> <laughs> Except Blade Runner uh, twenty forty whatever. I'll watch that by myself. Yeah. Well, you know, if you were watching it, I'd watch it. But it's okay. it's not high up on my uh, priority list. That's fair enough. And we can't ignore the title crawl. Not as good as Star Wars. <laughs> not, say. no. Nowhere near yeah, as yeah. good as Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars hits you right away with the... Yeah. You know, it's like exciting and it's bright and colorful and... Uh, John Williams scores the darn thing, so it's just next level. But this one was good, and it's honestly the most plot you're going to get in the whole movie. It's kind of like, that's it, well, that, and now here we are. It's such an interesting thing to do, you know? if you're Because your people are already going to uh, compare it to Star Wars because it's sci-fi, old sci-fi. Then you have Harrison Ford in it and a title crawl. That's a bold... It, like it's a bold move. You, I, I would have done something besides a title crawl. I don't know what. Maybe a little more exposition in the opening. But then that kind of ruins the opening scene. And he wants to just drop you in, obviously, with like no context. Well, you do have context with the title crawl, but Mm-mm. I don't know. I, I would have done that differently because it's not as good as the Star Wars one, and you're already going to have a million people thinking, like. It's got Harrison Ford. People are. I wonder what the previews and the uh, trailers were for this movie. Did they make it look like a gritty film noir? Did they make it look experimental, or did they make it look like you know, hey, it's Star Wars. Come see it. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they pulled some trickery on that. Maybe I'll check that out sometime. Hmm. Yeah. Who's to say? I'd be curious to find out myself. Yeah. So, not a recommend from Charles. Wow. You said you wouldn't recommend it either. I said I would be, I would recommend it not to a lot of people, but the people that I would recommend it to, I think, would really, really like it. Which is about what you said, I think. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the only other scene for me that really stood out is obviously the one that everyone quotes about this movie which is um, the one, the, the line that the bad guy delivers at the end where he's like, we'll yeah. be forgotten like tears in the rain, something like that. Oh, we will be lost in time like tears in rain is the quote. And that's, uh, you know, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful line. 
And then there's a line, it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does, which is also like a classic. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what I'm like, I you could have cut that f- whole chase fight scene. And th- there was that whole wolf thing. I missed that's something I didn't get. I'm mm-hmm. sure that was a metaphor for something, but could just be like chasing like a, as a as a like a, a prey versus predator thing maybe but like sometimes the, you give the director too much creative control yeah <laughs> and you get that because that was 80 yard really weirdly and but um <laughs> you know i i love the very end was good but the ending wasn't that good in my opinion i think they could have cut that and made it a little more yeah when they ended up making yeah. it about the romance and it yeah. It ends with the girl, or what's her name, Rachel Rochelle, Rachel. Uh, asleep in the bed and stuff. You're like, eh, what is this? Like, it's just yeah, kind of weird. It's just weird. It's weird that he even fell for her yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, because like, Harrison Ford's doing doing such a good job of playing this like unfeeling, like I don't care about anything, grungy noir detective, and the fact that he's also at the same time falling in love with somebody. That he met, like, twice. Super bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, super bizarre. I thought that was a little silly. I did, like, there was that, uh, I forget, Gaff, maybe. He was kind of fun. I liked his whole look. And he also, when Harrison Ford was, I don't know if you caught this, but when he was um, trying to turn down the assignment, he made an origami chicken, which was funny. And then he made the origami uh, unicorn later, which freedom maybe you know who knows what it represents but the pyramid was weird just going through the last bits of my notes that was again probably meant something but yeah there's this whole weird thing in in the book where there is a religion and you like have this device in your room like everyone has one in their house and you get to simulate climbing this mountain and like rocks are coming down and hit you on your way up it's like it's bizarre (laughs) but it's a big part of the book which i my 13 year old brain didn't really fully process but uh i i think there's some sort of religious elements uh to all of that um one of the things like egyptian theme too Right. One of the things that I thought was super interesting about the movie was when, you know, Rachel uh, is given the test and Rick actually Rick actually conducts like a longer test and then does this whole thing of where, oh, you had false memories given to you so that you didn't know that you were a replicant and I think they used the phrase emotional cushion to describe mm-hmm. that. And that to me is fascinating. Again, because this, this theme of like to be human and having these memories, like they were so real to her, even though they were fake. And it's like, it, it's just a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah, there were some really good ideas in this movie. Um, I think uh, something that kind of goes with that when she was. Uh, kind of like it was after that scene I'm trying to remember when it was but she was watching him like because she's been I, I guess sheltered not sheltered but she's only been alive like four years right uh, and, she, and most of that's been implanted and she worked at the uh, Tyrell Corporation but she was watching him like clean up after the fight mm-hmm. and she was like kind of transfixed on like the blood and he was he took a shot of something and the blood like 
went into the shot glass and floated around through the light. It was just a beautifully shot scene. <laughs> and she was kind of like looking at humanity differently in that scene, which kind of relates to her figuring out she's not really well, human. Yeah, because again, and, we're talking about what is humanity. And yeah. she, for all intents, she thought she was human. No mm-hmm. one thought she was a replicant, even herself. So it's like, how do you make these distinctions, you know? It's like, she didn't even know. And then you take that away from her. Like, I thought Harrison Ford was kind of uh, cold when he did that. He's like, oh, you mean this memory of when you were riding a bike yeah. and you tripped and you fell and you skinned your knee and all that? It's like, that that memory was fake. It belonged to his niece. <laughs> it's like, you don't have any memories because you're not right. real. And, and then he falls like, in love with her. <laughs> yeah, and then he falls in love with her, yeah. And like, she didn't go crazy, Harrison, too. That like, was so intense. But that's that's another thing why I didn't love this the whole most of their interactions because that would have she would have went crazy, you know. You don't just right. figure out that you're not real, and then you're totally cool with it. Right, right. And, and then she just you got teary and Harrison, left, and then who banged him. Yeah, because again, she was like, "Have you taken the test?" You know, it's like, yeah. I thought I was real. Like, are you real? Is anyone real at this point? Like, right. who knows? Who can say for certain? And, um. I think in the books there was more ambiguity about whether um, Rick was an android or not, but um, in this one they don't really challenge it at all. Uh, I mean, uh, Rachel to be thought about, presents the question like, "Oh, have you taken the test?" But it never really went anywhere. After no, that. not at all. And he doesn't have, have like crazy that. strength or anything like that. But um, he got beat up pretty bad. Yeah, he did. And he's fine. He you know, that's true. That's but true. not anything. Yeah, not out of. Uh, he still under the guise of main character syndrome. He was fine. And there's you different know, kinds of replicants too. I mean, not every yeah. replicant's gonna have superhuman strength. Right. Just the ones that they had doing manual labor did. And mm-hmm. maybe he's a detective replicant. <laughs> that, but who knows? Who knows? And, and again, he's very cold and calculated and callous. And I think you're supposed to question his humanity throughout the whole thing. I think that's one of the main takeaways from this movie is it, you're not really supposed to know any of that stuff for sure. And it's not really supposed to matter. And I think that's like the two big points about this movie's right. stance on to be human, which is a classic sci-fi trope. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. The, mm-hmm. Definitely, the it's mentioned, it's in your mind after she mentions it, probably a little before that too, but it's, it's, it's especially in your mind after that, and it's just totally dropped, which is definitely an interesting take on it. There's no resolution, but it's kind of, like you said doesn't matter it has no you know relevance to the story right right exactly it, or humanity in general maybe well it's supposed to make you curious the whole the whole idea is that this whole construct that we're the good guys and they're the bad guys and you try and think about it and you're like we don't really have that many differences between us mm-hmm. and even the, from this idea of one of us is mechanical and one of us is organic like that that's hardly even a distinction that's like what this movie brings to the to the front right and they're pretty organic too you know they're not that's something they never really dived into too much are they like android androids but because they bleed they get blown open by guns um i'm not sure what they're 
specifications are. You know, maybe they're a little more similar to like Dragon Ball androids, mm-hmm. kind of more humany than robot-y. Right, right. It's it's interesting. It, it's had me like I've always just I I think Philip K. Dick is such a like a brilliant guy and certainly one of the like great like to me like Mount Rushmore figures of modern fa- uh, science fiction and this idea like he he's gone on and talked about these kind of things before and it's it he, he, I'm going to quote him from a speech that he made in 1972 so this was a long time ago now and he says our environment and I mean our man-made world of machines artificial constructs computers electronic systems interlinking homeostatic components all of this is in fact beginning more and more to possess what the earnest psychologists fear the primitive sees in his environment animation in a very real sense our environment is becoming alive or at least quasi alive and in ways specifically and fundamentally analogous to ourselves. Rather than learning about ourselves by studying our constructs, perhaps we should make the attempt to comprehend what our constructs are up to by looking into what we ourselves are up to. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great quote. And that is the author himself, the brains behind this world. So the idea is like, instead of looking at these characters and looking at like us as humans, we need to look at like what we've created and the situations that we've put ourselves in to the point where we are, we can't distinguish organic human beings from Mm -hmm. inorganic replicants. And it's, it's... I, I, I don't know how to explain. It's just a fascinating yeah. way of looking at humanity by like removing ourselves and seeing how our actions uh, reveal ourselves, you know? So it's like the technology that we've created and what we've made it do. And then now the concept, like how we live with that consequence of like, wow, these, these replicants, we made them to be human, to do labor and stuff, basically be slaves. And now they're actually suffering and want independence. And how do we react to that? And that in itself, right, we kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> What's a more human we hunt thing them to down. do? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we retire I mean, them. Yeah, <laughs> retire. We retire them. Well, I mean, what a fantastic quote. I mean, talk about hitting the nail on the head, or what is it? Putting the nail through the hand. Yeah. The uh, like in the end of the movie, if <laughs> anybody remembers that. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, that couldn't be more applicable today. We're now more intertwined with technology ever people have wearables people have um robotic limbs are getting more advanced and your phone is basically an extension of you know everything you have you need to look something up you have it there you need to track anything you have it there you need to go somewhere you have it and that's a man he he, that's crazy how (laughs) you see a trend in the 70s and i guess i mean sci-fi has kind of picked up on that and i guess it wasn't too hard to extrapolate but it it is impressive yeah i mean to see that far down the line you know a lot of these sci-fi writers got pretty close to the mark um but as again you can also read like 
I read, he has another book called Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said, which is a beautiful title as well. The guy, best titles in the game. But I remember in that one, hover cars were a thing and there were police. And I remember there was a scene, the officer is in his hover car hovering, reading a newspaper. So it's like <laughs> they got some things right and some things they were still working through. Mm-hmm. But like the news, the hover car was invented, but the newspaper, that stayed. Still so yeah, it's just interesting. But it, it, it comes back to the idea that technology, the replicants in this case, this world this like neo Tokyo California world dystopian version is basically like it creates a mirror that is held up to humanity basically it's contrasted with like this loss of I guess character and humanity like Harrison Ford is such a straight man in this and the replicants are more human than he is they're emoting their they have wants and desires and they're willing to fight and believe for, for these things that they're very passionate about. And Harrison Ford is just like... About life. Harrison, they're passionate yeah, about Yeah, they life, want to living. live. They want to, like, they enjoy the... They're, like, postulating in the rain. They're, like, writing those poetry. And Harrison Ford's just like, oh, I guess I'll do this job. I don't really want to. Uh, right. I don't really Drinking in the, in the dingy apartment and shooting stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's the robot. <laughs> right. And I think that's another thing that what makes this story work is that the androids are more human than the humans. <laughs> more human than human, to quote Power yeah. Man 5000. <laughs> more human than human. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. It, it, it's all of those questions. Again, this was me back in the day reading this book and just asking all these questions of myself and being absolutely fascinated. And that's what drove me so far down gotcha. this rabbit hole to the point that we're here today on the podcast. So there's a lot yeah, to be wow. said about Blade Runner and Do Android Team for Electric Sheep that I really like. So I don't, when I say I don't like the movie and wouldn't recommend it and fell asleep and all that, that's all true. But the spirit of science fiction is very much alive in this movie, and it's a beautifully constructed movie. It's a work of art. I mean, it's in it's one of the movies in um, like the Library of Congress as being like culturally significant. It's an important movie. Yeah. yeah. So all those things I would never take away from it. So to- no, and that's a I think that's a perfectly fine take to have. Not you don't have to like every movie. It's right. a movie, you know, and I'll probably <laughs> but never you watch at least it again. <laughs> yeah, you at least acknowledge parts that it stands for, parts that it did really well, mm-hmm. and its significance and importance in sci-fi and movie culture in general. Mm-hmm. So, as long as you're not just going, it's bad. I hate it, you know. No, and I still <laughs> I think that's I think a fine. In, take. Another important thing to say is that I will say it holds up. Like you said, some of the effects yeah, yeah. are a bit wonky, and the cars are obviously like carts with cardboard taped on the outside of them and (laughs) and stuff like that some of the costumes are a bit uh kooky but i do think this movie very strongly holds up and Mm -hmm. i think people will be watching it for decades and it's because it's created such a unique world it's almost timeless and the fact that they were able to at least make the effects passable in the 80s to create a whole sci-fi world from scratch that's as ambitious as this one is, is just a huge achievement for filmmaking. So absolutely it holds up as well. Something about the vibe and look really will stand, even though some of the effects are hokey, it's, it's hard to explain. I I don't really know. It's like you said, that vibe is a vibe that's going to last forever. 
that's not people are always going to be intrigued by the look of of, of Blade Runner. Oh yeah. Even if the and the practical effects are good. It's when they get into some CGI stuff or the I believe there were a couple of matte paintings that I don't think were super yeah, great. Right, yeah. Me neither. Yeah, but um and I I think people can easily it's not hard to show this to somebody and they're like, "Oh, this is gross. I don't want to watch this." Yeah. They you'll kind of get it and kind of run with it. Yeah. Like, you know, but some sci-fi movies don't have that uh, I I guess Long longevity, but this one does, and I think that is a benefit. Well said. I think people will be watching this in their college dorms for years to come. <laughs> it's a great yeah. college dorm movie. <laughs> you start to question everything, and like you start to appreciate obscure stuff. It mm-hmm. checks all the boxes, and then you know, any sci-fi fan, any art house cinema fan too would would love this stuff. Too. No, but it's a good like genre opener for somebody. If you knew somebody might like something like this, this could really. I guarantee this movie has like made the like the hobby of art house or weird grungy movies uh, for uh, for millions of people. Maybe not millions, but couple hundred thousand at least you know what i mean like this is a good it's not too artsy it's not too crazy it's still sci-fi it's still a good movie personally i think i think people could watch it and just enjoy it um and this can oh if you like this you'll like this if you like that you'll like that and it's kind of a rabbit hole type of thing which is kind of what the movie is anyway it's a it's a messy rabbit hole (laughs) (laughs) right yeah no but in a good way that's true for me it's yeah i i'm i'm not i was kind of surprised that you liked it as much as you did but i also see it because you are the kind of guy that does that can find fascinating things amongst things that aren't necessarily advertised as fascinating so it doesn't surprise me that you enjoyed looking at different elements of this movie in your own way and finding things to enjoy about it and stuff like that so i I see but i could yeah and as a popcorn movie i would say if there if if it wasn't so well made i think i would probably dislike the movie I would, I, you know what I mean? Oh, like without I think, the aesthetic, it doesn't have much yeah. to it, or the the sound, or the lighting, or the, the theme. The without all of those things that the movie is really about, this movie would be wouldn't be great. I would, I probably wouldn't like it. So this isn't a movie you just. I understand why it didn't. It did much better in blockbuster than it did in the theaters. Yeah, you send a bunch of people to see this, they're like, ugh. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're looking to watch it, this is not a, a movie you just put in front of you. someone. It's yeah. it's something no. you have to like go and find and discover mm-hmm. and have your curiosity picked out right. a little bit, and then you sit down and, with it. And yeah. you're like, that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't. I have to say, I do agree with you for the most part about the plot stuff and um, some. But again, some of that I and that's part of why I like some of it though. Because if you think that about some of that stuff in like a more meta sense, like. The, the characters are kind of stale and clunky on purpose. The plot is vacant on purpose. Mm-hmm. And that kind of builds more. It's it. The, he makes you work for this movie. And I, I wouldn't want to work during every movie, but every once in a while, really being a little more cere- cerebral during a movie going experience is a lot of fun for me. And mm-hmm. uh, especially with sci-fi, especially with the theme that I really oh, like. So yeah, that's, that's another why. thing. Like the sci-fi genre is such a perfect mm-hmm. complement to this style of movie. And I think that's why this movie clicks so well for a lot of people. 
such a yeah. great and I presentation for like a sci-fi. Oh, a beautiful presentation, yeah. But I can't think of the last time I was so like I can think of the last time I was like engaged in watching a movie like, "Oh, wow, this is good." But not like the last time I was engaged like this during a movie. It's a totally separate movie-going experience um of like really poking at it and thinking really and i'm trying to think the last movie that made me feel like that I mean, it probably wasn't a movie it's probably a tv show um but it's been a long time they don't make movies like this anymore no. and i i wouldn't do it for uh i wouldn't do it all the time you know maybe a very low percentage of, of movies can do this and I do really love it every once in a while, so I am I'm really happy I watched it. Yeah, I wonder how they approached Blade Runner twenty forty eight. I wonder how much of a departure it is, if at all. I have a feeling it's going to be modern. I mean, it's got Ryan Gosling in it and Harrison Ford acting alongside each other. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more dialogue. <laughs> I'm sure it's a gorgeous looking movie, though. But yeah, I bet it. But I didn't hear much about it. it did, did it come really out well. during a weird time? Oh, it did. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. Many years ago now. I don't remember when it came out, but... Uh, Wasn't it only like two years ago? I think I was living... I think it was more than that. I think it was like at least three years ago. Can we get a Google search on that? <laughs> Blade Runner yeah. 2048? I'm on IMDB, but it... Just Google Blade Runner 2048. 2017. Yeah, okay. So four years ago. Yeah, wow. I knew it because I I think I was eight out of ten. No, people, it got a good reception. It made money. It did all the things, you know. Right, but did it do all the things like Blade Runner did, or did it do all the things like like um, Marvel does all the things? I feel like both are. I feel like fan reception would be much more critical if it was too much of a departure. How many people how, do you think? I mean, unless a review bomb. I mean, who goes to see Blade people, Runner twenty forty eight and, and doesn't have opinions about Blade Runner? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Like the only reason I never saw it was because I was like, I, I, I never actually sat through the original, so I don't want to watch this one yet. Uh, but it did well. Like, remember correctly? Oh, uh, here we go. Um, budget was one hundred and fifty mil. Gross U.S. and Canada wasn't even a hundred mil. Ninety two. Hmm. But uh, gross worldwide, two hundred and fifty-nine. Well, now. like just so. napkin math, that actually wasn't that much of a smash. You usually right. double the budget for In like US marketing and, Canada, and yeah. stuff, and that's like the real budget. <laughs> so it's it's got to beat twice box office, uh, twice the budget. The box yeah, office it, has to beat twice the budget to be like a real smash. Although I don't remember this being super heavily advertised, but I, I, probably I think was. it was. I think it was. Yeah. All right. Well, then this did not make uh, 300 mil. So that's. Uh, hmm. Interesting. That's a shame. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, it is what it I'm is. I'm going to check it out. Oh, you're not going to like this. What? It is two hours and 44 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. There's Charles. no way I'm sitting through that. Yeah. This was a pretty short movie. This wasn't long. Yeah, I always thought it was longer. I was kind of surprised no. to see the under two-hour runtime. Yeah, especially when you cut out all the credits. On HBO, It was the runtime on that was like you know, five, ten minutes shorter. Yeah, it may have been actually like an hour 30, an hour 45. No, it was a great length. Perfect. It, any longer would have been a lot, and I think you I mean, could back have in those cut, days, maybe, movies yeah. were like hour and yeah. a half, like 
tight in these days. There can be, I think, Lord of the Rings kind of blew open the <laughs> floodgates on how yeah. long a movie can be in the box office, and now everything is over two hours long. Uh, but now you could have cut another twenty minutes out of this, and I think it would have been a little better. But that's about oh, it. Come on, for sure. Um, yeah. But. Anyway, guys, I, you know we're we're kind of hold on before we're kind of at the time first thing here. on Google. Yeah, the first thing that Google comes up is why was Blade Runner twenty forty nine so bad? Really? <laughs> oh, and then the other one is so good. So who knows? I oh. guess everybody has different opinions. Was Blade Runner twenty forty nine a flop? Was a critically acclaimed sequel? Uh, okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, apparently back in the day. Oh no, wait, that's a different movie. That's Dune. Okay, but yeah, that's coming out soon. Oh man, I kind of want to watch. I was reading on IMDb the trivia. There's some interesting connections between um, Ridley Scott and Stanley Kubrick. Apparently, really? like Rid- Ridley Scott worked as either like I forget what it was, some sort of like whether it was a writer or an assistant or something to Kubrick during like, like some, 2001. Yeah. Like during some of those earlier movies of before Ridley Scott became a full, a director in his own right. So I kind of, and the shining is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I love the shining and, and I've never seen clockwork orange. I've never seen 2001 a space odyssey. I've never seen eyes. Wide what? Shut. I know I've never seen them. So it's okay. like, okay. Like I, I think the only Kubrick. Oh, I've seen Full Metal Jacket. I've seen Full Metal Jacket, and I've seen The Shining. But those are little. I've never seen Lolita. I've never seen Spartacus. Um, and this is from a director who's two for two for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, The Shining's way better than Full Metal Jacket. That's my opinion. Uh, in my opinion, it's Full Metal Jacket's a bit long. Not fully for me, but <laughs> it's still a great movie. <laughs> very shocking and striking and like a lot of his movies are you know uh, clockwork orange is a little dystopian futury i I would go you could throw that into i uh, think if we were gonna watch one for the show it has to be 2001 well we could watch both i mean we we could watch both uh, you could you could force clockwork orange i think into and eyes um, wide shut i actually worked Sci-fi, with maybe. one of the actresses that's in that movie and i've never seen it so, really yeah that's cool yeah i'll if we ever watch that movie i'll tell that story well all right we gotta watch well i, <laughs> but I that is not a sci-fi movie that is not a space movie <laughs> it's pretty much just a sex movie so we're not watching we'll never watch it for the show but uh so maybe i'll tell that story some other time but that's fair, <laughs> but two thousand one. We're watch- if you've never seen two thousand one, we're definitely watching two thousand one. I've never. That's what's like. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that that movie's like three different <laughs> movies in one movie. That movie's nuts, so. Um But I have, I have takes on that movie. I, overall, I think it's it's worth watching at least. So okay. um, it's long though. So another. I know you don't like long movies, but. I do look. Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, and those but are it's four not hours like long. Lord of the Rings. So it's not like Lord I of the Rings. Like... I don't know if you're gonna love 2001: A Space Odyssey, 
but I don't really care. We're going to watch it because you haven't seen it, and we do a sci-fi podcast. So. I, I've always, I've always been tempted by it. I've just never actually watched it. I, I, okay. I would. Of course, I, I definitely would. We are because I've been looking. I've been looking for an excuse to watch it again because nobody wants to watch it with me. So now I'm going to make you watch it. Uh, you don't have to twist my I arm know. too much. Okay. Awesome. I didn't know you'd never seen that. I had never seen it. Cool. Never seen it, but um, big fan nonetheless. I always I go open the pod bay door. How? Mm-hmm. I can't do that. All right, that. so <laughs> I can't do that for you. So uh, we got a couple of good doors, movies how? to watch. We got to get some. We're going to do some more Star Wars, guys. Don't worry. We're not going to just totally. Oh switch yeah, tracks we're coming back to Star Wars. It's like, I, trust me. After watching Blade Runner, I, I need to see some people blowing stuff up. You need to see some pew 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 and some <laughs> wow and some. <laughs> you know, I, I need that stuff for sure. So uh, extra sci fi is every once in a while. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, got visions coming up. But good. Uh, I think you know. For now, have we done it? We, I think we've done it all. I think we've done it all. I don't think there's anything left for us here. Not for Blade Runner, but just in case you guys aren't on the Twitter or Instagram, um, just a little update on the schedule. So we're going. Back to our Thursdays only episodes because Bad Batch is over. And then once uh, Visions start, we'll have two episodes a week again. So in case you're looking for that on whatever your podcast app is, that's why we're down to one episode a week. So that's why. Keep that in mind. Yeah. But if you followed at Roger Roger Pod on Twitter, Instagram, you would have all of these updates and more. That's right. You don't want to miss it, guys. Check it out. But. You know what? Just listening to this, thank you so much, guys. We greatly oh, yeah. appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. See you guys. Goodbye. Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger.
Roger, Roger. <laughs>